Hey, this is Lee. I really hope you've been enjoying the Business of Marketing podcast. It's from marketers and for marketers, and my intention is to bring you value, experiences, and insights that you can use. Also, if your company would like to have their own podcast, I would love to help. The team at Content Monster specializes in B2B podcasts. So if we can help, contact me at contentmonster.com. That's contentmonster.com. Enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Business of Marketing podcast where we have conversations with some of the most influential and thought-provoking minds in marketing, sales, and business. And here's your host, A. Lee Judge. Welcome to the Business of Marketing. I'm A. Lee Judge. In this season, we're having conversations with some of the most influential and thought-provoking minds in marketing and business. Today's guest is the director of content at Foundation and an author of the best-selling marketing and business communications book, the Content Fuel Framework, How to Generate Unlimited Story Ideas. She's an international speaker, skilled virtual presenter, and is recognized as one of the world's leading experts in native advertising and branded content. So welcome to the show, Melanie Diesel. Hey there. Hey, Melanie. Good to see you again. I know. Good to see you too, especially because, you know, we've all been locked inside. We didn't have our normal, you know, meetup at all the content conferences. Exactly, exactly. So a bit of background, Melly and I, we've crossed paths many times because we both live and breathe content marketing. And so we've been to some of the same events. And Melly and I really respect what you're doing and wanted to share your experiences with my audience. So tell us a bit about yourself and, you know, how is it that content marketing became your focus? Yeah, so I actually never set out to be a marketer in the first place. This all was a, a very happy accident. Uh, I studied journalism, and so I really wanted to be inside of a newsroom. I wanted to be, you know, reporting stories, interviewing people, uh, all of that. That's really what sort of drove me. That's what uh, my mission was, you know, to, to help other people tell their stories. And uh, unfortunately, I graduated from school at a time when there just weren't a lot of journalism jobs. Newsrooms were downsizing as they were going mm -hmm. digital. And so the kind of jobs that I wanted were just like disappearing like that, you know, just falling off the map. And so it was actually a very smart recruiter who said to me, you know, I have this job. It's kind of a marketing job, but you're going to use a lot of the same skills. I think it'll be a fit. Um, and we weren't quite using the phrase content marketing, like with the, you know, the depth and, and, and frequency that we are right. now. So my title was like native ad product manager or something, you know, something like that. But essentially I was doing content strategy. I was helping our ad partners come up with content ideas to run on our properties. And so uh, that, that was the, the beginning of what I thought was a temporary, you know, temporary move into the marketing world. And it wound up being uh, exactly, exactly where I needed to be. That's interesting because, you know, I don't know if, if you have, may, may have been there, but I was at a table once with a bunch of marketers who all had titles that were content marketer, digital marketer. In the conversation, we realized out of like seven or eight of us, none of us went to school for marketing. <laughs> that was not where we started at. <laughs> I think, uh, I think that's true of a lot of us. Yeah. And I know a lot of, act of us are actually like former journalists or reporters or, or something like that come out of the journalism world. Yeah. It's, it's people who were creating stuff, you know, we're creating words or creating video because my background is actually in audio and video. So mm -hmm. I was creating content, but I didn't know I was a content marketer. Right. Um, so yeah, a lot of people in, in fact, some have come from maybe even digital like analytics and things and found themselves as marketers. And I think that's where digital marketing came from, right? When the creative, you know, the journalistic writing creative part merged with the data, yeah. you have digital marketers. 
And I feel like the best marketing teams or the best like marketing organizations, they, it, they bring together all those different skills in the best way. So I love when I get a chance to work with like an engineer or a data analyst or, you know, a really creative designer, because the things that we can create when we put all of our skills together, it's mm-hmm. different every time when you have those different skills. And so uh, I love that. I think it's cool that we're all sort of immigrants of other, from under other industries, you know? Absolutely. So in terms of marketing as a whole, where do you think content marketing fits within all of that? Oh my goodness. It's, I feel like content is a little bit part of everything. And I know that obviously I'm a content marketer, so I'm going to say that. Um, (laughs) But it's really hard for me to imagine really any part of like the sales and marketing process that doesn't have content. So uh, I think it works really well in a, in a pre-sale environment when we're trying to raise awareness, you know, the content that people see, whether it's through commercials or standard ads that we're creating or, uh, you know, email campaigns, any of that stuff really helps with, uh, with the awareness. When we're engaging our audience, some of the best ways to build loyalty is through user-generated content, through engaging with others' content, you know, through showcasing and, and, you know, boosting the content that our, our customers and, and loyal fans are creating. And so it's easy for me to see how content can play a role in any of those stages. Um, I think my favorite role that content plays, though, is really in education. Um, mm-hmm. So I like to think of, of content as a tool for you to teach your audience something. And to me, that's it's like a, a noble use of content, I guess. But it's also, I mean, it just provides so much value to your audience. And I think it's really hard to go astray and create the kind of marketing that ends up, you know, on a rant at the end of a podcast or something uh, when when your your goal is really on on educating your audience, on teaching them something. So you mentioned educating and teaching and, and how content is such a big part of marketing. Now, if you had asked, I'm sure either of us years ago, you know, was content big enough for a career? We did say, well, it's just something you do. I mean, you may have said, well, I'm a journalist, but I'm not a marketer. You know, I yeah. would have said, well, I create content, but I'm, you know, that, I'm not a marketer, perhaps. Um, so even though you and I know the self-evident answer to this, <laughs> my question is, and I don't want to hear your standpoint on it. If you're talking to someone who's looking at getting into marketing, um, is marketing at a maturity level now where someone could actually niche down to just content and make a career out of it? I do think so, but I think a lot of it kind of hits on what you said earlier, where you need to come in with a specific skill set. Because I think even though marketing is broad and it touches so many different angles, as we were saying, the people who are most valuable, I think, are the ones who bring in a very specific skill set that they can apply to the world of content. So uh, I don't see, at least not in my experience, a ton of generalists who just sort of know lots about marketing in general and happen to fall into content. It's always someone, like you said, who was a, a data analyst and now they're applying that skill to the world of content or was a filmmaker or was a podcaster or was a designer or a writer and then they apply you know that deep expertise to the world of content and I think those are the folks who tend to have the biggest impact and, and create some of the best stuff out there so I always encourage folks if you're looking to make that transition you know study study whatever it is the skill the the passion that you have and then figure out how you can apply that in the world of content. So Melanie, you are the folks, you are the folks who manage to focus on a certain area. Um, and I hope I can use this video from this podcast. We, they can see your book in the background, yeah. <laughs> but tell us about your, about your book, the content fuel framework. 
Yeah, so the book was actually, I mean, I'm practicing what I preach, at least in this regard, because it was really focused on education. Um, one of the things that I found when I was like leading workshops or, you know, speaking at conferences and stuff, I really loved being able to come up with ideas on the spot. Like that's mm -hmm. a space where I'm excited and I thrive. And it was like my favorite part of all these experiences. But I discovered that other people don't feel that way. Like that's apparently not, not typical. Like most people find that kind of thing stressful. So I was like, well, what can I do? How could I make that easier for other people? How can I share what's going on in my head so that they feel like they can do this on the spot too? Like how can we make it easier for them? And so that's what the, the book is. Essentially, I worked through the process that I was going through in my head, the questions that I was asking and the order that I was taking those steps and, and turned it into a framework, a system that folks can use in the same way. So uh, maybe not to do it rapid fire, you know, that takes a little bit of practice to internalize it and, and turn it so quick. But now you have a system so that when you need a content idea, you can kind of walk through the system and, and come up with ideas and not feel, uh, not feel stuck, not feel like you don't know where to begin. So in, in that book, you talk a lot about stories and I like that you were talking about stories before a lot of other marketers were talking about stories. They've always been there, but we didn't really <laughs> implement it in marketing the way we should have. And that's kind of a, a key part of that book. So I guess it comes from you being a journalist, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think what's really interesting is in marketing, we tend to think format first. We think like, what is the shape that I have to fit this content into, right? Like I need a video or a 30 second spot or whatever it is. And we try to shove something into that space. But mm -hmm. in most cases, journalism is, is the opposite where you're looking and saying, okay, what's this story that I have? Like, and how can I convey it in the best way? And mm -hmm. so at least in a digital environment, when you have the option of okay, I know I have all this data. I did all my interviews. Is this a written piece? Is it, is there going to be an infographic with it? You know, oh, I did record the interview. Maybe I could make use of that, that audio and, and have an audio element. So you're really focused on what will best showcase this story. And so that to me is, that's the mind shift, right? Is saying like, we want to be in service of the story. And so when I have this wonderful story, how can I best make it uh, you know, how can I bring it to life in the best way? And it may not be, you know, the exact square or rectangle you are hoping to fit it in. But if it's in service of the story, then it's in service of your audience. It's in service of you and your business goals. And so sometimes I think starting with the story, you may end up somewhere you didn't expect, but oftentimes that's the much better way to bring it to life. I was asked a question earlier today that, that pertained to that. It was a, a product marketer who said, you know, you know, the classic struggle if marketing is under product marketing, then all they're going to talk about is product. And my response to him was, well, figure out how to tell the story of someone using the product instead of the product itself. So talking to a product marketer or to a product marketing team, how would you, what are your suggestions of adding story to product? For sure. I mean, so in the book, we talk about 10 different focuses and there's sort of like angles or lenses that you can use on a story. And, you know, one of those focuses is product. But the truth is that all of them really apply to product. So just to give a couple examples, one is people. So that's the example you just said, someone using the product. But could we also tell a story of who created the product? Where are the, the engineers, the designers, the folks who work on the factory line creating it, uh, the frontline, you know, store worker who's selling this product, you know, 
tell their stories because that is still a product story. It's just telling, you know, one step away. And you could do the same thing with a process. So how can we teach our audience how to replace a part or update it or install it or uh, mix and match it? You know, what are the things that, that we can tell uh, our audience about how to use our product, right? That kind of focused, um, process-focused content can be really valuable for them. But you could also talk about history, right? So what's the history of this product, the history of this industry, this space, this type of product, this problem that our product solves? You could talk about, um, you know, you could do data, right? So dive into the data and say, what's the data we have around this industry, this space, this product, this problem? So it's not exactly talking about the product and only the product, but there's so much more to the product than the widget in the package, you know, there's, there's so much more that goes into it that contextualizes it, you could tell all those stories that are sort of at the periphery. Expand a bit upon the data, you know, connecting data to a story. How do you tell a story with data? Oh, man, this is such a big question. We could talk for hours just about <laughs> data storytelling. But um, basically, the, the question to ask is, what are the numbers that are involved with this product? So sometimes that's going to be very sort of salesy numbers. It might be how many have we sold or what's the collective time that this product has saved or, you know, disasters averted. Um, but sometimes it can be it can be a little more nuanced. So um, give me an example of a product so we can make it tangible. Uh, let's say, well, geez, I don't want to name any products that's going to no, you don't have to use a brand, brand name. We can go general. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say you have a, a measurement tool. Okay. Measurement like, tool. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah, the, the first numbers that would come to mind would be what are the things that we measure, right? So that's, you know, these are all the different numbers and metrics that we can measure. But other numbers could be how many customers do we have? How much data are we actually processing? Like we're, you know, we take in this amount of data every day. Uh, we've produced this many reports. Uh, we've saved this much time in manual reporting. You know, if you were going to use six other tools to collect all this stuff, you would have wasted this much time. <laughs> that much time is worth how much money to these companies. And if you have that much money instead, what could you do with that? How could you reinvest that in your company? Is that worth, uh, you know, a full company retreat or, you know, new computers for your whole staff? You know, you can kind of look at just follow the numbers and make this big web. Now, not all of it is going to be useful. Not all of it will make it into the story. But if you follow those numbers, you'll usually come upon something that's going to be interesting that even you as the as the storyteller is going to, is going to say, like, I want to know more about this. I actually, I want to dig into that. I want to see what the what the numbers tell us. Um, and so that's, that's always my approach. Like, just start asking where there are numbers hidden uh, and then follow them out. Great. Now, earlier you were mentioning the different different approaches to, to content. One of them was frontline workers. So I spoke about that a bit last year when every company was marching out their marketing content with frontline workers, which to me felt a little bit untimely and cheesy because you're like using them. They were yeah. here last year. They were working mm -hmm. hard last year. They deserved it last year. So how does a company take that approach that, which they should mm -hmm. and do it in a genuine way and create great content about their frontline and, and not wait until it's critical that they do it. 
Right. Well, you know, and I think you're exactly right. There's uh, a colleague of ours, Katie Martell, who talks about brand pandering and the mm. real the real gap when we feel like it's cheesy and it doesn't settle, it doesn't sit right with us is when the things they're saying don't line up to their actions. Uh, and we see this all the time. You know, we're a green company. Happy Earth Day. And you're like, you're polluting more than anyone else. Or, you know, none of your products are recyclable. You kind of get called out when that action doesn't line up to what you're saying. And that brings me to Ron Tite wrote a book called Think, Do, Say. And it's really about how it needs to start with your values first. Like if you're just saying something and then you kind of have to retroactively back it up and say, okay, now we believe that. Now we're going to do that. It doesn't work in that direction. So if you really look at the things that you you value, the things that you you believe as an organization, what you stand for, and then you roll that forward into the actions that you take and the way that you share it, that order tends to make a lot more sense. And so starting with those beliefs as a company, those values, uh, and then working out toward what it is that you say, instead of trying to say the right thing and then back it up retroactively. That's a tough one. And I, I totally agree that the company needs to start with the value. But, you know, when they come to marketing with the situation, they say, hey, marketing, you know, we need to respond to this. And the company culture is deep. The company yeah. culture is what it is. And you're not going to turn that ship sure. within a marketing cycle. So how do you talk to the C-suite and say, you know, you want to do this initiative on going green or mm. right now, right now, you know, as marketers, we always know what the buzz is. The buzz right now is diversity and inclusion. You know, yeah. how do you do a diversity inclusion um, marketing campaign when you know darn well that the company's not diverse or inclusive? Right. How do you so talk I think to C-suite on that? This is a this is a tough place to be, especially because a lot of the folks who are gonna have to make these calls, like you said, the folks in marketing, we may not be in a position to change, you know, how green the business practices are, how inclusive our leadership team is. Um, that may be out of our control. But what we can do is prevent our company from having one of those moments where we're clearly saying things that don't align with the way we operate. And the way to do that, truthfully, is to ask questions. And so I mean that that allows you to help the other people see where those gaps are. So when your executives say, we need a, a DEI piece on our leadership team, and you can ask them, who should I focus on for our DEI piece? And they're able to realize in that moment, oh my gosh, we don't have someone of color that you can speak to, or we don't have any women on our board, or we don't have you know anyone who doesn't look exactly like me on our, on our, our leadership team. That will allow them to realize it themselves and hopefully stop pushing you toward, you know, an imminent PR disaster. So I find that asking those kinds of questions, it does one of two things. It either helps them realize that, like, maybe we shouldn't push this message because we don't actually, you know, live it. Um, or it helps you get to the bottom of what may be there. So the green practices example, if you say, well, what green practices that we have should we talk about in this marketing? And they may mention to you, hey, did you know we have a zero carbon footprint on this particular end of our logistics? You say, oh, I had no idea. Who should I talk to about that? Oh, you could talk to this person. Oh, when did they start doing that? You can kind of interview them in a way and pull out the relevant information when it's there to find. And when it's not there, like I said, that'll kind of come to the surface and hopefully it becomes clear pretty quickly that maybe there's not a lot of substance to this story. You know, you know, Melody, I think you just surfaced the fact that or the idea that marketing can influence change. Like when they I ask so. for the marketing and they say, hey, this is how we want to appear. Perhaps it's marketing's job to, or responsibility to step up and say, OK, we can make you appear this way. 
but first we need you to be this way. Right. Right. And I, I mean, I know that that's such a big ask and that's very stressful, especially if you're young, you're new in the industry, you're new to your role. The idea of, of standing up like that may be scary, but I think that's why the approach of asking questions, like that's what journalists do all the time, right? We don't decide who's embezzling. We just ask the right questions until <laughs> we get to the bottom of it, you know? Yeah. And so for me, that approach of asking those questions, like I said, you either find the the golden nuggets that you didn't know were there and you can turn that into your message uh, or you discover that you're digging in an empty in an empty bucket and uh, hopefully they they help point you in a new direction. Absolutely. I'm going to take that that education right there and think about that when and when I talk to other marketers and help them understand what they can do as a marketer isn't just what their job is, like, you know, pushing out content or marketing. It's also internal. What can they do within their organization to influence the change within the organization? Yeah, absolutely. So finally, Melanie, I want to ask you, you know, as marketers, we're always watching content a different way. You know, we see things and we, we smell something from a mile away if it's not what they say it is. Yeah. And we, we know how the, how it, the inner workings are. So given all that, when you think about some marketing that you have have consumed recently or that you admire or think is even if you don't like it if it's working well can you give yeah. us an example of what you think is uh recently some good marketing so i i love this question especially because in my house it's a big topic i always say oh their strategy is showing like i can when it feels just like too sweet or too rich or like it's just too obvious to us i'm like oh i can see it i could see the rfp you know the brief we ruin for this everything, project don't we? We, ruin our, we ruin our own homes experience with our marketing experience it's true it's true and then you see the product placement everywhere and you spot it you know oh it really does you. ruin it but <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think the the things that I see that tend to resonate with me um, are the ones that that find an emotional angle. And so I always find that when I feel moved by a piece, and I know that's a tall order to be moved by, you know, a blog post or a video or something, um, that's when I I feel most connected. It's when I feel like the content is most effective. And so, you know, we talked about all those like frontline worker pieces where it was mostly, especially in the early days, like a montage of stock footage of like nurses putting gloves on or something. Um, and like, you didn't feel anything. I mean, you felt, I'm glad that you're acknowledging them, but you didn't, it didn't touch you in your heart. You know, when you see, uh, you know, a video that shows a husband and wife, one is inside the hospital on one side of a window and the husband is outside, you know, because she's quarantined for when you see that, and there's like feeling and emotion and you can imagine being separated from a loved one and how hard that must be. It just hits on a different level. And so I find that generally speaking, if we're talking about lots of people to drill it down to an individual who sort of exemplifies that broader story, that would be like example focused content. That's where we're able to get at the emotion because it's hard to feel something about an example, like a generality or a statistic. But when you get to like a person's story, that is so relatable. That is where the emotion comes in. And when you feel moved, that's going to be that's going to be something you remember and take action on and share and tell others about. So to me, the best marketing uh, is when when it makes me feel something. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Nobody can disagree with that. That is great. That is great. So, Melanie, we're going to wrap up. And, I, you know, whenever we talk, we have the greatest conversations. You always deliver value. And I, I just couldn't wait to share your experiences and value with my audience. Uh, you and I are on somewhat parallel paths, so we always—it's always great to talk to you and kind of compare notes and, and learn something yeah. along the way. So, before we go, please tell us where we can find you and what's going on with you. 
Excellent. So if you want to learn more about me, you can head over to mdiesel.com. That's my personal website where you could learn more about me, about my book. Uh, you could get all my social links so you could connect with me if that's what you're interested in, wherever you hang out online. And if you want to know what we're up to at Foundation Marketing, we're at foundationinc.co. And you could see all the exciting things we're doing with B2B SaaS brands, helping them tell their story and distribute it strategically. Awesome. Talk to you again soon. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Business of Marketing podcast, a show brought to you by ContentMonster.com, the producer of B2B digital marketing content. Show notes can be found on ContentMonster.com as well as aleejudge.com. To continue the conversation, be sure to follow the podcast on your favorite podcast platform.